Leslie Washington is a three-time gun violence survivor. In 1984, Leslie lost her 19-year-old cousin, Reginald, to gun suicide. In 2015, she lost an additional cousin, Keith, to city gun violence. His homicide case is still unsolved. Leslie is a survivor of domestic violence after her ex-husband would threaten her with a gun to include the agony of emotional and physical abuse for over nine years. She states, this is why I joined the Missouri chapter of Moms Demand Action, to fight gun violence of all types. Gun violence tears apart families everywhere. Gun violence is not just in Baltimore, New York, or St. Louis. It is in rural parts of the country as well. Gun violence and domestic violence go together. You too are a survivor if you've been threatened or wounded by a gun. Her survivor status is being a gun violence prevention advocate and survivor membership lead for her local chapter, Southeast Missouri Moms Demand Action. She's a 2020 Survivor Fellow with the Evertown Survivor Network. Leslie also volunteers with the Safe House for Women, helping women along their journeys to see there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's welcome her. Welcome back, Greek Nation listeners. Today on our show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Leslie A. Washington, and she's a part of the Every Town Survivor Network series. She is a three-time survivor, um, gun violence survivor, also a prevention advocate, and a 2020 fellow with the Every Town Survivor Network. Hello, Leslie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today, Miami? It's a pleasure to have you um, on. I'm so excited. Uh, we've been kind of just going back and forth on Facebook, just waiting for this day to happen. So I'm really excited. Um, this is a good time to share your story for um, Domestic Violence Month. And um, you're also just also sharing each of the um, types of gun violence that you were impacted by. Can you tell us your journey of becoming a three-time survivor of gun violence? Well, the first incident was in 1994, um, like June time frame when my cousin, um, Reginald Long, he died by gun suicide. So he kind of planned it and really I wasn't expecting it, but um, he planned it and shared information that he wasn't coming back and then got, got home. Um, my cousin found him. She had been to the store with their mom. And so she found him there at home um, in the basement where he, you know, shot himself with a gun. And um, it was just very traumatizing because he was a type of person that was very happy-go-lucky, always smiling, always laughing, always playing jokes. So it was just very heartbreaking for him, for my family and I to actually have to go through that. You know, because I've never dealt with that before. So, and then the second time was when my cousin was murdered, and um, he was murdered in 2015 in St. Louis, mm -hmm. and he was shot and killed, and we still don't know why. We don't know the reasoning behind it. So he's one of the murders that goes unsolved. And then also, like you say, I'm a three-time gun violence survivor. I am a survivor of domestic violence. And after I got away from my ex-husband, 
he threatened me with a gun by posting it on Instagram and threatening my mom and telling her he was going to come down and kill me and just little odds and ends and putting things on Instagram, fully loaded weapon um, and the clip neck, you know, fully loaded clip next to him on the bed on Instagram for everybody to see in the whole entire land. So that basically sent the message that, yes, he was coming to kill me. And I got, you know, I got scared. So then I, you know, was always afraid to go outside. Didn't know if I was going to be safe. Didn't know if he was going to pop up on me or, you know, anything like that. So that's how I became a three-time survivor of gun violence. Wow. I'm so sorry that you had to experience each of them. And it's just amazing um, how you can look back over your life and, and, and see, you know, the different experiences that you have. And then the ultimate one being um, uh, domestic violence and you being a victim of that. Um, with it being um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, how have you been? You know, I tend to think, well, you know, I could have been dead. I could have not be I, you know i couldn't be here being an advocate for other women that are going possibly going through the same exact thing that i'm going through but it's also made me stronger and then it makes me realize okay i'm one of the lucky ones and there is light at the end of the tunnel to where yes someone who is possibly listening out here now will is going through the same exact thing that i went through and can see that they can get out of it and be safe so that's why I'm grateful for these opportunities to speak and share my story and, you know, just to get the awareness out because it's very important. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, it's, I, I can only imagine um, having to experience that, um, you know, just a lifetime of, of, of having relationships and, 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 uh, realizing that the, your loved one can, you know, do things to you like that. That's just got to be difficult. But I'm, I'm so grateful that you are here to share your stories today. Um, how did your grieving process differ um, from, you know, all three incidents um, related to gun violence? How did your well, grieving with, process work? With Reginald, you know, like I said, he touched a lot of lives. His funeral was very packed. Um, it was very, I was very touched to see so many people there, you know, to show their love and show their appreciation for him because he, he, he ran track in, in high school. He was very well known and it was just shocking for him to actually, you know, to go through that and to do, you know, to do that. Now with my cousin Keith, I was unable to go to his funeral. I was here in the, in, at the time. So I was just, it was not safe at that time for me to go to his funeral. So I kind of had to grieve away from my family. Yeah. But, and that's another reason why I do the Moms Demand Action and do the Wear Orange so we can prevent the gun violence. And so other families don't have to go through the not having closure and not having answers as to why their loved one is gone i mean it just it has to stop and then with the domestic violence it took a little while to get my self-esteem back up to par because of course when you're with domestic violence with the abusers 
they're narcissists, they're controlling, they're vindictive, they're mean, they're all of these things. So it's like you have to start over from scratch, basically. Yeah. So me being able to share my story and talk in other avenues, like I've had other speaking engagements, you know, since I've been in Cape Girardeau to where I've been able to share my story and get it out there and get the awareness out there. So that's, an, you know, it's just very important yeah. to get that awareness out there. Since suicide was your first experience with gun violence, how did Reginald's death, if it did, um, change any relationships or other friendships that you had at that time? Well, my family, we really didn't talk about it. His family really didn't, you know, discuss it too much after it happened. You know, um, it was, I've had other friends that have tried to commit suicide and, you know, it's just something, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be harsh, I don't mean to be rude, but my my experience with suicide, I don't want to hear about it. I mean, because everybody's problems are bad. It could be a lot worse. Look at the president we have right now. Mm-hmm. You know, things could be a lot worse. Yeah. So you talking about you wanting to end your life or, you know, it just, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to discuss it. I'm, I will pray for you. I will hope that you will get through it and not ever ha- and not think about it, mm-hmm. you know, but if it comes to that, then that's what's the, you know, the best decision for you. Mm-hmm. Then I'm sorry. I love you, but I will love you from afar. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? You're, you're right to have any feeling about it that you want. I mean, it was based off of your experience and <laughs> that's been difficult for you to, to speak about or talk about. It, it, it just is what it is. This is a, a open, safe space for you to be able to share however you feel. Um, no <clears> matter, you know, how anybody else feels about it. It's just, that's where you are because of your journey. Uh, and your experience with it. So thank you for right. being so honest and, and, and sharing that with us. Um, give us your why and why you're doing this. I know you have spoke a lot about um, just wanting to make sure you get the word out, but truly um, out of all the experiences that you have had, why is this important to you? Why, um, like I said, just to share that knowledge and share the experience you know, that I'm learning, like dealing with the safe house and learning the different types of abuse there is, you know, it's not just mental, physical, verbal, it's financial, it's spiritual, it's digital, where they go on your Facebook pages and harass the heck out of you using false, you know, Facebook pages or all your social media outlets, basically, to find some way to get a hold of you through family members, whatever the case may be. So I just wanted to where somebody doesn't have to go through what I went through dealing with domestic violence for nine years. You know, I probably should have been gone before nine years, but you always think, oh, they're going to change. They're not going to hit me anymore. Oh, if I wear this different, if I act this way, if I fix this food differently, they may change. Once an abuser, always an abuser. They will never change. And I, I mean, I hate to say that, but they will never change. I dealt with it for nine years. 
I went to culinary school. He always accused me of sleeping with other with the guys in my class, you know, having affairs when he was doing that. Yeah. I never did that on him. I could have, but I never did. Yeah. You know, so just getting that knowledge out and getting that experience out to where somebody that's going through it can hopefully they see, oh, okay, well, if she can do it, then maybe I can do it too. You have to start planning when you're in situations like that. You have to start planning. You have to start putting important documents up. You have to start saving money. You have to like pack little clothes here and there. Take them to a friend's house. Take them to somebody you trust. You know, take your things over there. All your important documents, your passport, your birth certificate, your ID, any money. Take that to somebody that you trust that he will have no at no means of finding out what you're planning to do mm -hmm. and then if you feel safe go you know call somebody you know like you say, i say have a trusted friend i didn't really have that i had to rely on his family which that's still his family but they were able to help me get out of that situation mm -hmm. so when you have somebody and you have those things in place, then it may work smoothly. It may not. You may stumble upon some things, but you have to learn in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all of that information um, on how to support uh, an individual that um, is in transitioning of trying to, you know, find their way out of um, such hardship and, um, and, and abuse. Tell us why you feel that mental health is also a, such a huge part of your advocacy. Well, mental health, Miami, is very important because you never know when a person is going through mental issues. And so you just have to tread lightly because one minute they can be nice and then four seconds later they can do a 360 and be a complete and utter but you know what I'm saying? So you just have to tread lightly and treat the situation carefully yeah. and just, you know, be careful. I mean, I like my biggest thing is to be careful because it was a lot of times when like I first started dating my ex, he was nice. We went out, we did things. Of course, they call that the honeymoon stage. When then all of a sudden he loses a job, his whole attitude changes. He does a 360. So you just, I, it's like, it's, I don't know if it's warning signs, but you just have to tread lightly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was something that you stated that he had, he had lost his job. And, and that's of course, like one of those life altering events that'll just change everything for you. And, um, that had a lot to do with his grieving process of not knowing how to bring grief properly and then taking it out uh, on yeah. you. Um, right. So sorry to hear that. Is there any particular uh, legislation that you'd like to share or bring awareness to us about? Yes, definitely. Closing those loopholes on domestic violence, um, preventing domestic abusers to not have access to a gun, and just close that Charleston loophole where if an, if an abuser or a felon doesn't pass a background check within three days, 
then they're still able to get a gun. So that needs to be closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and domestic violence awareness, like, you know, all of that needs to play a part in legislators closing these loopholes to where it's easy for felons to get a hold of a gun. My ex was a felon, is a felon, probably still is a felon. I don't know and really don't care. But like I said, he, you know, he, at the time he assaulted me, he was a felon. He was on probation and parole. So he still, and he assaulted me, but he only spent a minimal amount of time in jail and still got out. So, you know, just those, that's the biggest thing is close those loopholes to where domestic abusers and felons cannot get access to a weapon. Right. And also, like you're saying, that time to be able to get right back out. Um, that processing period is goes by. It's horrible. Yeah. And like Missouri, we don't have like those those type of laws, those, you know, we don't have that law. We don't have red flag law. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have any of that stuff. So it's very easy for him to whine and complain to his mom or whatever the case may be and she may put up her house or you know whatever the case may be oh i'm not gonna let my son sit let his let him sit there let him sit there let him stew yeah you know let him pay for what he did because he fractured this part of my eye so i could have had vision problems i could have had surgery had to have surgery anything thank god i didn't have to but I could have, you know, I mean, my vision, I have I'm supposed to be wearing glasses, but I don't have them on right now. Yeah. But um, my vision has suffered. Like I have an inline bifocal in both eyes. Whereas before I just had one in this eye. Now I have one in that eye. So, you know, it's just a lot. And you just, oh, people just like, I would rather, I always say this. I would rather be by myself. Mm-hmm. Than to deal with that ever again in my life. Yeah, yeah, and that's understandable. Uh, I can understand. like my trust. Like I always think you have something. To, uh, you're out for me, or you want something from me, mm-hmm. or no, I I don't. I work too hard to get the stuff that I have, and I don't need any headaches. I don't need any problems. I don't need any drama. So I would rather just be by myself. I I, I understand. I totally understand. What action would you like to see um, outside of the domestic violence piece with the homicide and suicide? Um, I would just like it to stop. I would like more families if they're involved, um, if they have lost a loved one, you know, to be comfortable enough to come forward and say, well, I am a survivor of gun violence. X, Y, and Z has happened to my family, you know, be more, I know it's hard when families, like I've never lost a child because I don't have children. Mm -hmm. So to lose a child, I know is like total different grief than anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm learning like, you know, a lot of people like, oh, well, why do you tell your story so much? Okay, if I tell my story, maybe there's someone else that is going through it yeah. and they can hear it yeah. and it can help them. 
So if I have to share my story 9,000 more times, then that's what I will do. And if you, nobody can tell you how to grieve the loss of your child, the loss of a loved one, the, your domestic violence. Nobody can tell you how to feel and how, what to do. It's something you have to process in your own time. Right. And it can't and it cannot be rushed. It it has to be when you feel that it ha- you have healed completely. You can't like you say you have to let it go. Right. Absolutely. So how did you become involved with moms in every town? Um I my pastor sent me to a meeting. She mentioned it to me and she's like, "Well, why don't you go to this meeting?" And so I went and I listened and I was like, okay, that fits me because I am a survivor. Mm-hmm. And so we were getting ready to go to GSU. It was the year we were getting ready to go to Atlanta. So I would, that was my first GSU. I've been to, well, three now, mm-hmm. including virtual. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just, I started doing tabling events and I started really liking it. And then. Like I said, when I got to GSU, I realized I am actually a survivor. So I said, well, maybe I'll be a survivor membership lead because I started off as a membership lead. I was like, no, I don't like that too much. So then I said, well, I kind of I went out to eat with the survivors Mm -hmm. and, you know, talked to them and met with them and, you know, met Abby and Ashley and everybody and just kind of like blossomed and here I am. I mean, I've been here since I think it's been like three years now, four years, something like, I don't know, heck, (laughs) you know, but it's, I enjoy it. Um, I've been advocating here for a family that had lost their 15 year old daughter last year and her murder still is unsolved. But um, she was 15. Yeah. 15 years old. Yeah. Like, why are you walking around scot-free? Just explain that to me. So I've been doing that and other advocacy here and the domestic violence and the moms with moms demand action for gun says. Well, you're doing a great job and we truly appreciate um, you sharing your story. How many ever times, like you said, um, that you have to um, have to do it. So um, what's what's next for your journey um, as you're still advocating and you're still, you know, sharing your story on all three um, types of the gun violence? What's next for you? What would you like to do next? Um, my next wish once COVID is done is get together with my survivor moms Mm-hmm. And we have like some fun in the sun somewhere. Yeah. Like um, all of us will get together. Um, that is my wish. Um, also, I definitely would like to visit you and work with you more. Absolutely. And um, just work with other moms and kind of get a feel for what they do Mm -hmm. you know and just 
I like to learn from other people. So like if we can pool our resources together, like I'm in Southeast Missouri, you're in Georgia, you know, Calandrians in Texas. So if we could like pool our resources together and possibly come up with something, you know, yeah, I would like to see that happen. Um, and just, just live my life to the fullest. I mean, I can't let domestic violence define me. I mean, it's something that I dealt with and something that I went through and I got out of it. So I cannot let it define me. So I have to, sometimes, yes, I do get triggered, but then I have to realize I did get out of it and I did get away. So I'm one of the lucky ones. There are lots of women that don't get out of domestic violence, that don't make it successfully and, you know, live to tell about it. So, you know, we're one of the blessed ones that have, got, you know, like myself have gone through it and am able to talk about it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's, that's my biggest ask. Now, um, the call to action for your domestic violence piece. I know you did talk about, um, you know, closing the loopholes and, and things like that. Is there any particular numbers or, you know, how can you, how can an individual uh, contact someone that is actually going through? What is that um, resource that you can provide to us? Um, the number is 1-800-799-SAFE. Share your personal quote with my uh, Grief Nation listeners and your why for that. Um, my personal quote, and I've used it pretty often, is um, make people accountable for their actions. Um, I believe that is important to hold people responsible for whatever they have done, be it a crime, be it whatever it is, um, you need to own up to it. And you need to be held accountable for it. So if that means that you need to go to jail for life or whatever, or sit, you know, whatever the case may be, depending on what you've done, then you need to be held accountable for what you have done. You should not be able to just walk around scot-free, willy-nilly, going to commit another crime or whatever the case may be. You, you just, you need to be held accountable. And that goes for politicians, that goes for even myself, that goes for you, that goes for anybody. Anything that we've done, anything that we're doing, we need to, and we make a mistake, we need to own up to it, and we need to admit that we messed up, and we need to be accountable for what we've done. No. Bottom line. Absolutely. How can our um, Grief Nation listeners um, reach you? Um, what are all of your social media outlets? Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm just Leslie Washington on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Leslie Washington, Missouri. And then I'm also on Instagram at Leslie Washington 364. Do you do a lot of your advocacy work on Twitter? Yes. Um, as a survivor fellow, you know, we, I had a Twitter account prior to becoming a survivor fellow. Mm -hmm. But now as a survivor fellow, I have, to, you know, we have to be more active and more Twitter friendly. Yeah. So I try to do the Twitter trainings when I can. 
Um, but I'm more me personally. I'm more comfortable on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm learning the Twitter. Um, but like I said, because as a Survivor fellow, we have to have it, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I'm using it. I try to remember. Oh shoot, I got a tweet to such and such. So I try to tweet here and there, you know. So. Right. I just love your honesty. You are so fun. <laughs> uh, well, hey, I, I, you know what, Miami? I, I didn't have a voice for nine years, right. so I'm. I have my voice, and I don't sugarcoat nothing. That's all right. I, I'm like, look, if you don't like how I say it, well, then I'm sorry. I, I can't help you. You know, it is what it is. Now, can you leave us um, with your favorite memory of um, Reginald and Keith? Well, um, Keith and I grew up as children together, kind of like we were at my grandma's house a lot. So I just remember us playing together, having fun and just laughing and, you know, running from grandma or playing in the backyard and, you know, doing things like that. Now with Reginald, um, he lived around the corner for me when I lived in St. Louis um, back. Be this was way before, like I said, back in 1984. So he was very happy-go-lucky. He was always laughing, probably playing jokes on us. And just, we always had fun together. You know, I always enjoyed being around him. I just never thought of him as a person who would eventually take his own life. Yeah. You know, I just, I never thought that would, you know, but you'd love, but you know what, Miami, you never know what a person is really going through because you're not walking in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So you just never know what's on a person's brain or what they're thinking, what their thought process is. You just never really know. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. I'm going to ask you a question and then you just reply to both. And if I had to ask you, what is grief? What would be your grief is deep sorrow, especially caused by someone's death. It means mourning the loss of a loved one staying to oneself. Grief is not a disorder, a disease or a sign of weakness. It is an emotional, physical and spiritual necessity. The price you pay for love. And the only cure for grief is to grieve. No one can tell you how to grieve or when to stop grieving or to stop talking about your loved one. It's healing to talk about memories of your family member. Thank you. Thank you so much. And before I let you go, what has your attention been a leader in your community that you would like to see change or bring further awareness to? Just, um, like I said, holding people accountable for their actions, um, solving crimes, closing, having families have closure of incidents that have happened in their families, be it murder, robbery, whatever the case may be. There's too many children that are dying senselessly and it has to stop. And that is my biggest concern and my biggest push you know why I do what I do is just for children for families not to go through the close you know to have the closure process and I mean families grieving every day I know you grieve for your child every day yeah. you know 
And so I know it's hard on certain days, like anniversaries of their death or birthdays or holidays or just, you know, I know those things are hard, you know. And like I said, my I just want families to have closure. I just want them to have peace so their loved one can rest in peace and not be topsy-turvy in the grave trying to why is this you know still happening why do i not have closure for my you know just peace i just want peace i want people to love each other like not you don't have to like me i don't care if you like me i don't care but you to respect me you have to respect me yeah you know and that's all i want is for people to get along and stop all this hate and bickering and fighting and just unnecessary violence is just oh it just gets on my nerves yeah well thank you so much leslie for coming on it's the miami night show grief talk i truly appreciate you spending your time with me this evening look forward to um, doing more things together as you stated um i definitely want to see if we could get you on to even our monthly meeting for um our decap um county meetings in georgia um to to share your stories you have like I said earlier, you are a three-time survivor. You have so much to to give us and to um, keep inspiring us to move forward. So thanks a lot for being on the show. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners. And thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show, Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude for our special guest, Leslie Washington, for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Knight, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye.